They raided Trump's home. They haven't raided Biden's home. Because they- Biden didn't defy a subpoena, Congressman. Was that Chuck Todd? <laughs> yes, it was. Is he okay? Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. <laughs> and I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am stuck in the middle with you. Well, hello, clowns and jokers. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI and Round Mountains KKRN, up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW, Lanchester, Pennsylvania's W News, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio, on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico, on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's, AM 950 KTNF, where it is very cold today, but, you know, it's Minneapolis-St. Paul. What do you expect? We're also heard coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the Internet on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Burden Square Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Now, in our 20th year of muckraking and troublemaking, uh, thank you very much for joining us as we blanket planet Earth. I'm Brad Friedman. Oh, I already said that. <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway, uh, thank you very much for joining us nonetheless. Uh, let's start here with that uh, amazing, you heard, uh, that was Chuck Todd at yes, the top. Yes, that was I, Chuck I don't Todd know, actually I hope he's pushing okay. back. I know. Let's, Somebody so put something in his Wheaties, I, I guess. I don't know what happened. Ohio congressman and extraordinarily effective liar and now chair of the House Judiciary Committee, Jim Jordan. That was the first voice you heard. He did his usual filibustering for most of the 17 or so minutes of the segment with NBC's Chuck Todd on Sunday on Meet the Press. Now, as usual... Jordan dropped in all sorts of false facts at lightning speed, utterly false claims, for example, that the FBI paid Twitter millions of dollars to censor tweets and to ban users, which is all false. And Todd was unfortunately, Chuck Todd was not able to respond to each and every one of Jordan's really flurry of lies that have been hammered into the poisoned brains of right-wingers as as if these things are true. From uh, Jordan, of course, they come at lightning speed, and they are very difficult, if not impossible, to keep up with and to answer to, no matter who you are, even if you are not Chuck Todd. All of which begs the question uh, of why these corporate media outlets think it is a good use of anyone's time to bring these liars like Jim Jordan onto the air at all. I don't get it. I don't know. I don't do it. 
That said, as much as we have been critical of Chuck Todd over the years, mostly Desi, uh, <laughs> you know, for both giving these liars uh, a, a, a platform, platform yeah. right, and and then not even trying to counter their nonsense usually. Since we've done that, it sort of seems only fair that when Chuck Todd at least tries to counter them and shows that he actually can do so when he tries, if he puts himself to it, well, it seems only fair to share an occasional success on that front with you. Uh, just by way of fairness, I guess, which we will in a moment. Anyway, in addition to the House Judiciary Committee, Jim Jordan will also now be chairing a new subcommittee in the House, which is calling itself the Subcommittee to Investigate the Weaponization of the U.S. Government or something like that. Where the Republicans pretend that all of their uh, sort of victimization fantasies, that the government, the Justice Department, the FBI, etc., is all a bunch of so-called deep state liberals hell-bent on destroying Republicans and Republicanism and MAGA world and Donald Trump, etc. Never mind that Bill Barr, Donald Trump's attorney general, was almost certainly the most corrupt attorney general in the history of the Department of Justice. Or that the DOJ prosecutor and former Trump-appointed U.S. attorney, John Durham, the special counsel that Barr assigned to investigate the investigators of Russian interference in the 2016 election. Never mind that Durham has been on the job for four years now, which is almost twice as long as Robert Mueller was actually on the case as special counsel, you know, investigating Russia's interference in the 2016 election. And yet John Durham has yet to find the pretend crimes that Donald Trump and Bill Barr and Jim Jordan and all the rest have been pretending were somehow behind the FBI and DOJ's and Robert Mueller's original investigation of Russian interference in 2016 and the hundreds of contacts, documented contacts between, yes, Russian agents and members of the Trump campaign in that run up to that election back in 2016. So Durham as it turns out, has found nothing that Republicans claimed happened in some pretend scheme to undermine Donald Trump's 2016 election, which, by the way, he actually won that one. And uh, to his credit, Chuck Todd uh, did point out uh, a number of times in his Sunday interview with uh, Jim Jordan that Durham had, in fact, found nothing as the uh, Republicans had claimed that he would find or that he was finding. He never did. In fact, the only legitimate criminal investigation that sprung from the Durham Bar investigation of the investigators, as we now know, was an investigation into alleged financial crimes of Donald Trump based on a tip uh, that uh, Durham and Barr received from an Italian uh, official that was reportedly so reliable that even Durham and Barr had no, cho no choice but to open an official criminal investigation into the matter. 
As the New York Times reported late last week in a blockbuster exclusive, the criminal investigation was never announced publicly, though when Republicans like Jim Jordan discussed media reports that were based on unnamed sources that Durham's special counsel probe had found something so troubling during his investigation of the investigators that it had resulted in a criminal probe when those media reports came out, nobody not Barr, not Durham, bothered to contradict those reports by explaining that, yeah, well, yeah, Durham has launched a criminal probe. But it turns out to have been a criminal probe of Donald Trump. They just let the public believe that Durham found something so terrible in the original investigation of uh, the investigators of Trump and Russia that a criminal probe had to be opened. Even Trump, the subject of that criminal probe, was out there on Fox News and on social media claiming that Durham is finding worse crimes than anyone ever thought possible. Now, as the Times noted last week in their exclusive quote, in the fall of 2019, based on a tip from Italian officials to include a criminal investigation into suspicious financial dealings related to Trump. That's what they looked into in the fall of 2019. We still don't know what the criminal investigation uh, was exactly of Trump based on that tip from the Italians. We don't know what it was about and how much they actually investigated it. But here are the here are the details on that. Just just one part of this hugely explosive piece on uh, how unbelievably corrupt the Durham and Barr special counsel probe was. And yes, by the way, that Durham probe is still continuing. It has not ended yet. Really? Yeah, I thought it was done. On. I can't believe I no, thought it was done. Well, because there's nothing else left to investigate. The only thing left is uh, for him to turn in his report. And he's still on the payroll. Still on the payroll. Four and a half years uh, going, uh, two years after he would have been removed from office at the end of Trump's term. So uh, from the Times, uh, New York Times is Charlie Savage, Adam Goldman and Katie Benner. Uh, quote, one of uh, on one of Mr. Barr and Mr. Durham's trips to Europe. See, they went to Europe together to, on this investigation. I special, bet that was a nice trip. A special counsel is supposed to be independent from the Department of Justice by and large. But Barr was right there at Durham's side the whole time. On one of Barr and Durham's trips to Europe, according to people familiar with the matter, Italian officials, while denying any role in setting off the Russian in the Russia investigation. Remember, there was claims that it was uh, foreign countries who were somehow also joining in with the deep state liberals at the FBI to undo Donald Trump. Uh, anyway, they denied they had anything to do with that, but they unexpectedly, unexpectedly offered a potentially explosive tip linking Mr. Trump to certain suspected financial crimes. Mr. Barr and Mr. Durham, according to The New York Times, decided that the tip was too serious and credible to ignore. And boy, how do you know they wanted to? But rather than assign it to another prosecutor, as would have been appropriate, Barr had Durham investigate the matter himself, giving him criminal prosecution powers for the first time, even though the possible wrongdoing by Mr. Trump did not fall squarely with Mr. Durham's assignment to scrutinize the origins of the Russia inquiry. Didn't fall squarely, didn't fall at all into that. 
Durham, however, never filed charges and remains unclear what level of an investigation this actually was, what steps he took, what he learned, and whether anyone at the White House ever found out. The extraordinary fact that Mr. Durham opened a criminal investigation that included scrutinizing Mr. Trump himself has remained secret, at least until the New York Times reported it late last week. The news reports, however, they note, were all framed around the erroneous assumption that the criminal investigation must mean that Durham had found evidence of potential crimes by officials involved in the Russia inquiry. Mr. Barr, who weighed in publicly about the Durham inquiry at regular intervals, he was out there speaking about it all the time, in ways that advanced a pro-Trump narrative, well, in this case, he chose not to clarify what was really happening. So the media reports are out there. Oh, this uh, Durham has found something so disturbing. It's they've opened a criminal probe into what he found. Must be terrible. They must be ready to haul Hillary Clinton off to jail. James Comey, whoever. In fact, yeah, there was a criminal probe, but they were looking into Donald Trump. By the spring and summer of 2020, with Trump's reelection campaign in full swing, the Durham investigation's, quote, failure to deliver scalps in time for the election began to erode Mr. Barr's relationship with Donald Trump, according to Barr's uh, memoir. Mr. Trump was stoking a belief among his supporters that Mr. Durham might charge former President Barack Obama and former Vice President Joe Biden. Even so, in August of 2020, Trump lashed out in a Fox interview asserting that Obama and Biden, along with top FBI and intelligence officials, had been caught in, quote, the single biggest political crime in the history of our country, unquote. And the only thing stopping charges would be if Mr. Barr and Mr. Durham wanted to be, quote, politically correct. He was, of course, making it all up. We expect that from Donald Trump, of course. But the fact that he was out there doing it and, uh, you know, this was not being corrected by folks like Barr and Durham who knew better. Well, it was against that backdrop. The Times says that Mr. Barham and Mr. Durham did not shut down their inquiry when the search for intelligence abuses had hit a dead end. They just let it keep going. So talk about the weaponization of the Justice Department and the U.S. government. That was it, Jack. So, you know, I, I, I sure hope that uh, Jack Smith, who is investigating January 6th and Trump's stolen White House documents found at Mar-a-Lago, I sure hope that he is looking into uh, into what that seemingly abandoned probe of Trump financial crimes that was tipped off from the Italians. But who knows? So, yes, while I have digressed. <laughs> well, it is outside I, of Jack Smith's uh, mandate, as far as I understand it. But who knows? Maybe it is. Maybe. I'm sure he has heard of it, though, by now. Well, he has now. In any event, yes, I, I digressed, but I want to play this exchange between Chuck Todd and Jim Jordan on Sunday because, for change, Chuck, Dodd, Chuck Todd actually did a pretty good or at least decent job of trying to push back at uh, Jim Jordan's flurry of lies. 
So if we're going to criticize Todd for sucking, as we do, or at least as Desi does, As he frequently does, yes, yes. Yes. Well, then we should laud him when he does not. Absolutely. And, of course, you know you got a weak case when even NBC's Chuck Todd manages to take you apart for it on Meet the Press. Chuck Todd, who never gave airtime to a right-winger he didn't let roll over him with lies. So, yeah, are you okay, Chuck? Anyway, as Laura Clausen observed to Daily Coast yesterday, uh, quote, two unusual things happened on NBC's Meet the Press this Sunday, and they were kind of the same thing. Chuck Todd pushed back against a guest in a really meaningful way, and Congressman Jim Jordan encountered serious pushback from a reporter. Jordan, of course, doesn't usually do interviews where he's likely to be held to account, and maybe he figured Todd would be within his comfort zone. But Someone had apparently, yes, spiked Todd's Wheaties because he refused to sit back and listen to Jordan lie about the difference between classified documents that were found at President Joe uh, found uh, President Joe Biden versus Donald Trump's properties. You keep talking about this raid uh, on, on Donald Trump. The amount of time, there was nine months between the initial action that the archives made for a request of documents before they even turned it over to the Justice Department. The subpoena was issued 60 days before they actually uh, executed the subpoena. And more importantly, the only time the public found out about it is because Donald Trump told the public about it. This was not some sort of, the you painted as a picture of the FBI did this, this, and this within hours of each other, when it was actually a year and a half of Donald Trump See, not complying it. with any of the requests from National Archives. A year and a half. This is not some sort of uh, proof that but, somehow that they've Trump, weaponized and playing politics over here. They raided, they raided Trump's home. They haven't raided Biden's home. Because they, Biden didn't defy a subpoena, Congressman. <laughs> he defied a subpoena. By the way, he had 60 days to comply with Trump's, a subpoena before they actually executed President the Trump had documents locked in a room with Secret Service protecting them. Uh, President Biden had documents in his garage and in a think tank that was funded by the Chinese. I think there's a difference. President Trump was the only guy who was actually are, president... Are, the, I mean, you talk about that. You're worried about the Chinese and, and, and Hunter. No, Biden. I'm just saying. Are I think you there's worried a about the Chinese and Donald they Trump? They took pictures. They took pictures of. Are you at all worried about that? No, Jer- I, I'm about- not. But they took pictures of of the documents at Trump's house. They took no pictures of documents. In fact, it's not just me who would like to know what went on here. Senator Warner said it last I, week. He would like to get a briefing. He wants to see the documents. No and guess what? The FBI the issue, is saying no, but they took pictures the of the folders whether, in Trump's home. The issue is not whether Joe Biden, what Joe Biden did. Uh, no, the issue is, the issue is equal treatment is it, under the law. That's the issue. No, the equal issue is treatment under the law. You do not seem to ever see the same conspiratorial problems when it's a Republican. Again, is Chuck Todd okay? <laughs> yeah, he did a pretty good job. He did for a that good one. job. Yeah, he did pretty good. There were some uh, places where he dropped the ball, but listen, when you're dealing with this guy, when you're dealing with Jim Jordan, an he auctioneer ain't easy. liar. Yeah, he really is. I I, I think that it largely uh, speaks for itself, uh, though there's one point that, that Todd was not able to or didn't have time to respond to. So allow me. Please. Uh, that was Jordan's misleading uh, point about they, they took pictures at Trump's place of these classified document folders while there were no pictures at Biden's place. Well, for one... If that is true, that's because when Biden's people found the documents, they immediately, according to all reports, contacted officials and returned the documents. There was no search warrant executed as part of a criminal probe, as was the case 
with Donald Trump after he had defied a subpoena for about two months, lied about the documents to the Department of Justice. And all of that came after some nine months of refusing to give them back when he was asked politely and quietly by the National Archives to do so. Of course, that's much of the stuff that you heard uh, Chuck Todd mention there. And the idea that Chuck Todd sounds anything like me on this program, now I'm starting to get worried. (laughs) But by the time the FBI finally showed up at Mar-a-Lago, like a year and a half into this thing, it was, yes, a criminal matter. And yes, they had to take photos for evidentiary purposes. Did they take uh, photos when the DOJ recently performed a consensual search of Biden's residence up in Delaware? Well, we don't know if they did. We have not seen them. But remember, unlike Trump, Biden is not out there claiming that the officials might have lied about what documents he had or worse, planted them in his home as Trump did. That's what Trump did. Moreover, as we know, there is not a continuing investigation to determine what happened to dozens of still missing classified documents for which Trump had the empty folders, but not the documents. Where are those documents? What happened to them? Why don't we know? Anyway, that's what Jordan's uh, sort of impotent shouts about. They took pictures. They took pictures of one and not the other. It's unequal justice or whatever the hell he said. Well, he's banking on the public having absolute ignorance about how these processes work and not having any detailed information about all of the ways that Trump has violated the law in this case. And banking on... I'm sorry, allegedly violated the law. There you go. That's right. Thank you. Uh, And also uh, counting on uh, Chuck Todd not being able to respond to any of this because how many years has Chuck Todd been on every single Sunday and virtually never replies to these people at all? Never pushes back. But anyway, yeah, those those are the they took pictures. Sounds bad, of you know, unless, of course, you know what the hell he's actually lying about. And you're right. Most people do not. And Chuck Todd usually doesn't speak to it. This time he did a little bit, at least. So uh, I know it's a low bar, but we thought in the interest of fairness, we would share it and sing some very probably temporary uh, uh, kudos for Mr. Todd. But that is the sort of thing that you should begin to look forward to now from the U.S. House, from Jordan's chairmanship of the House Judiciary Committee and their new weaponization of the federal government subcommittee (laughs) that they are pretending uh, there is a need for. We will see if there. by the way, there is, you know, historically there has been weaponization of the federal government, but it tends to be against, you know, people in the public. It is not against a political party is certainly not at least not against the Republican Party for crying out loud. We will see if the corporate media now are actually up to the task of covering a Jim Jordan chairmanship on a House Judiciary Committee and on a weapon of weaponization of the federal government subcommittee. We will see if the corporate media is up to that, up to you know debunking the nonsense that is going to be flying. And uh, we will also find out if Democrats are up to the task, Democrats on the committee, if they are up to the task of responding to that sort of nonsense. 
And in uh, some related breaking news this afternoon from CBS News for all of the nonsense claims that folks like Jordan and Trump have been making after the uh, White House announced that Joe Biden's attorneys had initially found a, quote, small number of uh, documents with classified markings on them at Biden's old offices at the Penn Biden Center while they were cleaning it out uh, and, you know, making the claim, that well, are they going to raid Joe Biden's offices at homes now? Well, guess what? As CBS reports today, the FBI did search the Penn Biden Center offices back in mid-November, according to two sources familiar with the investigation, after lawyers for President Biden had found about 10 documents marked as classified there on November 2nd. So, uh, yeah, they did search Biden's offices as well as his home in Delaware more recently. Two sources told CBS News the search at the Penn-Biden Center was conducted with the cooperation of Mr. Biden's representatives. Thus, a search warrant was not needed or sought unlike when Donald Trump spent about a year and a half obstructing the uh, the return of the uh, documents and obstructing any FBI searches that they wanted to do, but he would not let them. Biden uh, let them. So they didn't have to go to a judge, a federal magistrate judge, and, and get permission to do this search. They didn't need a warrant. Biden said, come on in. White House Communications Director Kate Bedingfield responded to questions about the FBI search in an appearance on CNN and referred uh, questions to the Justice Department, noting, quote, what I can say is that we have been cooperating and transparent from the outset. We put out multiple statements from the president's personal attorney describing the process and being clear that the president takes this seriously and that he cooperated and will continue to cooperate with the Justice Department in full. And, you know, maybe that's why he's getting disparate treatment, Mr. Jordan. Not unlike the treatment that Republican former Vice President Mike Pence is also apparently receiving. Last Friday, former Vice President Mike Pence said he took, quote, full responsibility for the classified documents that were found in his Indiana home earlier this month. A lawyer for Pence discovered what he called a... Quote, small number of documents marked classified or sensitive commingled with Pence's personal papers. They were immediately turned over to the FBI. It's not clear, however, whether the FBI searched Pence's home or other Trump properties. I'm sure Jim Jordan's committees will get right on that. Get right on that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And as uh, as long as we're uh, disabusing right wing nonsense uh, in this segment, apparently uh, one more before we uh, come back with yes, some uh, well, some oh, some voter fraud news. Uh, <laughs> as you'll recall, last year in the run up to November, Republicans made a big honking deal about crime rates that were rising, skyrocketing all over the country. You couldn't go out of your house. It was so dangerous. Of course, they blamed Joe Biden and the Democrats, particularly because they claimed that this crime wave was largely in Democrat run big cities around the country. 
As usual, the truth was very different from what the GOP was selling to the public, and the media did a lousy job of of clarifying that. So the Republicans and their duped followers bought into this, and so did many others in the uh, in the American public. Not enough to help the Republicans do better in the 2022 campaign, but a lot of people bought it. In fact, as we now know, the crime rate continues to stay low in much of the country. But we've got some hard data for you when it comes to the murder rate in the U.S. As reported via Axios over the weekend, that it would be good for you to remember next time this nonsense is brought up. Uh, Axios reports the murder rates in Trump voting states, Trump voting, Trump 2020 voting states have exceeded those In Biden voting states every single year since the year 2000. That, according to a new analysis by Third Way, which Axios somewhat misleadingly describes as a, quote, center left think tank. Oh, that is misleadingly describing it. Nonetheless, Axios notes that Republicans have built their party on being the crime fighting candidates, even as murder rates in so-called red states have outpaced blue states by an average of, get this, 23% over the past two decades. Four reliably red states consistently made the top of the list. That would be Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, and sadly, my old home state of Missouri. Third Way's report analyzed homicide data for all 50 states from 2000 through 2020. The data is based on death certificates collected by state registries and provided to the National Vital Statistics System. To allow for comparison, Third Way calculated the state's per capita murder rate, the number of murders per 100,000 residents. And they used 2020 presidential election results to characterize red states from blue states. I believe that resulted in an even 25-25 state split. They used the 2020 presidential election results, and the findings uh, build on, according to Axios, build on previous third way, uh, a previous third-way report that only analyzed murder rates from 2019 to 2020. But this time, they write they wanted to see if this one-year red state murder epidemic was only an anomaly, and apparently it isn't. Apparently, it has been like this for many, many years now. 20, according to uh, to uh, uh, third, third Way here. Murder isn't the only crime that's committed or discussed in the report, but Third Way hopes to combat the, quote, media and political narrative that crime is a democratic problem occurring mostly in big blue cities and fueled by lax policies. Apparently, you'll be shocked to learn that ain't true. What are the four states, again, that were the top four states that uh, on the list? Top four were Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, and, yes, Missouri. So the Old South. Yeah. Well, if you want to call my uh, my home state of Missouri the Old South, I mean, we did split, you know, 50-50. Yeah. But, well, still. All right. I'll, I'll go check and see how Texas did on the murder <laughs> list, by the way. Anyway, uh, keep that in mind uh, next time you hear... BS out there coming from Jim Jordan and the Republicans and the corporate media who love to repeat their nonsense. But hey, uh, speaking of red uh, red states, let's take a a quick break here. We'll come back with some, yes, some voter fraud news. 
from the 2020 election. And you'll never guess where this voter fraud happened. Also, we've got some news from another 2022 sore loser who is still pretending that she won her election. But uh, now she might be in some actual legal trouble for what she apparently did about it. And yes, Desi Doyen will be here with our latest Green News report with the usual amount of terrible (laughs) and not so terrible environmental news for you. All of that is still ahead on today's broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Brad. Please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is supporting you and the things that you care about. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to counter the powerful corporate media echo chamber. Right now, as much as ever, if you choose to support us, you can do it really easily, safely, and quickly via bradblog.com slash donate. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast, Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. And no, I'm not playing that song necessarily because Donald Trump used to... Remember he used to use that oh, song yes. oddly at the I end of his uh, rallies for yes. some reason? Uh, that is Well, it's sort of one reason why, uh, for, for playing uh, YMCA. But there is another reason to play the village people. I will explain that shortly. Uh, but before I get into this, uh, Des, I mentioned uh, Jack Smith. Yes. In the uh, previous segment, uh, who, by the way, my mom thinks must may, must be a totally fake uh, person. Oh, Why? sure. Jack Smith. That sounds like a real name. <laughs> oh, okay. And the fact is that nobody, and I just want to, I was thinking about this last night. I can't, he's been on the job since like November. There are no pictures of this dude. There's pictures like from the 90s or something and uh, maybe a couple of years ago in Europe. How can it be that there are no pictures of Jack Smith, no video, you know, walking in with a briefcase somewhere into an office, as we usually see with these special counsel people? There is not one picture of Jack Smith that I know about that was taken, you know, in the past two years, much less since he's been named special counsel. Does he really exist? Is there really someone named Jack Smith does kind of sound fake, don't you think? <laughs> I think my mom might be on to something there. Uh, anyway, uh, so... Oh, no, no, don't go starting any new conspiracy no, I Well, I'm just saying, Jack Nobody Smith. Nobody has seen him. He's good at avoiding cameras. How can he be that good at avoiding cameras at this Mueller point? Mueller managed after, to do it pretty good. Well, no, but there were still pictures of Mueller coming in, going to work, doing his thing. We even saw him at the Apple store one time trying to fix his computer in the middle of all of that. <sighs> anyway, uh, where was I? Oh, yeah. So a few months uh, back, you may recall, in the run-up to the 2022 election, Florida governor and... Republican presidential hopeful Ron DeSantis, he held a big flashy press conference to announce that his personal new election fraud police force, yes, he has one now, had rounded up about, I don't know, 20 people that he claimed had committed voter fraud. But they they nabbed them before the uh, November election. 
And then as we would later learn, including via video of these poor people, many of them, mostly, uh, maybe all of them, I can't remember, black, being rounded up, uh, thoroughly surprised through these armed raids at their homes by DeSantis's cops. Boy, speaking of the weaponization of the government. These people had no clue why they were being raided, why they were being handcuffed, hauled away, hauled off to jail. They were told that there were warrants for their arrest for voter fraud, but they had no clue about committing any voter fraud. We played some of the audio from their arrests at the time because it was really, really sad. And I'm not going to play a lot of it here, but just by way of of reminder, here is some of the audio of, of one of the arrests with the guy in the police car talking to the cop, having no idea why he why he's even there. This is crazy, man. Y'all put me in jail for something I didn't know nothing about. And my brother told me to vote for these people. Vote. Like, Come on, man. And then I thought uh, felons were able to vote. That's why I signed a petition. Why would y'all let me vote if I wasn't, uh, I wasn't able to vote? I'm not sure, buddy. I don't know. And then why now? This happened years ago. Why now? Mm-hmm. Why me? Mm-hmm. Um, working on the CRA, I'd take this guy to jail. Dude, these, uh, I've never seen these charges before in my entire life. So even the cop says he has no idea why this man has been arrested. He's seen uh, no charges like this ever before. The guy who's being arrested says, what's going on? Why me? Why now? This was years ago. And I assume that was, you know, from 2020 or something like that, because many of them, you know, have since seen these charges against them tossed out by courts. As it turns out, they were arrested for voting as a former felon, even though Florida voters had passed a, a, a law, passed a referendum on the ballot back in 2018 by huge numbers to reenfranchise former felons who had not been allowed to vote in Florida for decades. And these folks who were arrested had no idea that they weren't legally allowed to vote because there were certain loopholes in that law that Florida did not bother to tell them about when Florida allowed, yes, as that guy says, allowed them to vote, issued them voter registration cards, sent them ballots to vote with, or allowed them to sign in and vote at the polls even though it was the state's responsibility to not allow their uh, voter registrations to go through if they were not allowed to vote under the law in the first place. Meanwhile, what you may or may not have heard about is the actual voter fraud criminals in Florida, like a bunch of wealthy white people living in one of the most Republican areas of the state, these huge gated communities known as the villages, which is the actual reason why we played a song by the The village Village people. People. Yes. For some reason, Ron DeSantis did not hold press conference to announce the arrest of these uh, wealthy white folks who committed actual voter fraud there. Unlike the black folks who were, you know, these white folks are getting off with barely a slap on the wrist. 
in the villages of all places, the Republican stronghold, 65-year-old white dude uh, J. Richard Ketzik in the village of Monarch Grove was arrested in 2021 on a charge of voter fraud. The Michigan native cast a ballot in Florida by mail on October 13, 2020. He also cast a second ballot in Michigan via absentee ballot, according to the arrest report. He, yes, was a registered Republican who purposely voted twice in that election. Then there was Charles Franklin Barnes, a 65-year-old white guy. He was also ordered into a civics class after his arrest. At the time of his arrest in early 2022, Barnes's primary address was in Milford, Connecticut, and he also had a home in the Callahan Villa, uh, Villas in the village of Osceola Hills. He and his wife have since bought a home elsewhere in the villages. So I guess if he had to pay any fines or anything, I guess it didn't cost him too much. He was able to buy another house elsewhere. He was charged with casting more than one ballot in the 2020 election. That's not what those folks were hauled off for that you heard in that pathetic audio. Also last year, 73-year-old white lady Joan Marie Halstead of the village of Palo Alto, she was ordered to complete a civics class and perform community service. Again, not hauled off to jail. She was arrested for casting more than one ballot as well in the 2020 election, the one that Donald Trump claims was stolen from him by Democrats. She has requested now that her court record be expunged. Well, I hope so. We'd hate to see her reputation tarnished at her weekly canasta games in the villages. And now, according to Villager News, yet another villager has been arrested again for voter fraud. John Ryder, a 62, yes, white resident of the village of Virginia Trace, reportedly cast his ballot in person during uh, early voting in uh, October of uh, 2020 in Sumter County. And he also cast an absentee ballot in New York, according to an arrest document. Ryder was kindly allowed to enter into a pretrial intervention contract earlier this month in Sumter County Court. How nice for him. As part of the contract, Ryder has agreed to perform 50 hours of community service, but he was allowed, uh, so no jail time, just 50 hours of community service, very nice, but he was allowed to buy himself out, buy out the contract at the rate of $10 per hour. Yes, that's right. This uh, wealthy white villager has enough money to buy his way out of the pathetic penalty that he had in the first place for a crime that he committed on purpose, which must be very nice for him in his case. This is only going to cost him, if my math is right, $500, which is a very convenient way of avoiding any real accountability for committing voter fraud on purpose in a Florida election. No jail time for him. And because he's got plenty of money, he doesn't even have to perform his 50 hours of community service. He can just buy himself out, buy the contract out. So, you know, if Jim Jordan wants to complain about uh, two different justice systems in this country, I hope that his House Judiciary Committee or his weaponization of the government committee will uh, look into his friend Ron DeSantis in the state of Florida. Do you think he will? 
But by all means, let's, you know, release videos to scare the hell out of black people into not voting at all, because as seen in those videos, you know, you never know when you might be arrested for the crime of voting one time in in what you with what you had every reason to believe was a legal ballot because the state of Florida said so. But, uh, yeah, just try not to be black in Florida. Try to be uh, white in the villages in Florida when you commit your voter fraud. And uh, speaking of Republicans lying about fraud in elections, Arizona's top election official is now requesting an investigation into Carrie Lake, the Trump-backed GOP candidate who lost her campaign for governor last November. But like her hero Trump, Carrie Lake is still pretending that she won it. The investigation is being requested by Arizona's new Democratic Secretary of State, Adrian Fontes, also a former guest on the broadcast, for a, uh, a potential campaign violation by Lake, according to Fontes, regarding the unlawful disclosure of voter signatures. Who knew that was a law? In a uh, letter dated uh, Monday, Fontes asks State Attorney General Chris Mays, who is she's also a newly elected Democrat, to investigate and, quote, take appropriate enforcement action against Lake for potential violations of state law, citing a tweet that Lake posted last week that boosts false claims of election fraud in the governor's race. Now, it's not unlawful to boost false claims on Twitter, but Fontes points to a, quote, graphic containing images of 16 voter image uh, voter signatures. That was included in Lake's tweet, which he argues violates state law that prohibits a voter's signature from being accessible or reproduced by any person other than the voter. In this uh, tweet posted on January 23, Lake claimed that 40,000 ballots did not match voter signatures in Arizona's records. The uh, tweet includes a graphic showing 16 voter signatures that she says is evidence that their signatures do not match the ones in their voter file. Quote, today's Senate testimony confirms nearly 40,000 ballots illegally counted. That's 10 percent of the signatures reviewed, she says in her tweet, along with the graphic, adding, I think all the election deniers out there, in quotes, election deniers out there, deserve an apology. Because apparently she has now proven that she actually won the November election, by the way, with signatures on ballots from 2020. She ran in 2022. In any event, despite Lake's loss in Arizona's race for governor to then Democratic Secretary of State Katie Hobbs in November, Lake has made several unsuccessful attempts to overturn her defeat. Lake lost to Hobbs by more than 17,000 votes. Last month, the judge threw out Lake's challenge to her defeat, soundly rejecting her claims of misconduct with ballot printers and unproven claims of problems with ballot chain of custody. I think she even tried to make claims about signatures at the time, but apparently she is now renewing that same rejected claim. The Arizona Supreme Court just last week also rejected Lake's second request that they review her challenge of the results from last November. 
noting uh, that uh, telling her yet again that she needs to go the usual route through the Court of Appeals. She can't just hop on over and go straight to the Supreme (laughs) Court. Anyway, the uh, Court of Appeals is going to have a hearing on the matter later this week during a save, quote, save Arizona rally on Sunday evening. Carrie Lake maintained that she is actually the rightful governor and that Katie Hobbs is a, quote, squatter in the governor's office. By the way, another apparent sore loser, a guy by the name of Donald Trump, also called into that rally on Sunday to voice his continued support of Carrie Lake. Quote, ultimately, she's going to be victorious, the former president told the thrilled crowd. Got to keep that grift going. In other Uh, words, how are you going to continue to get the rubes to give you money for all of your bogus legal challenges if you suddenly say, yeah, you're right, I lost? You have to keep it going if you want the money to keep flowing. Well, here's one way. She can run for Senate in 2024, although if she's the official governor, you can't run in Arizona. You can't be both the guy. She'd have to resign as governor before she could run for the U.S. Senate. I'm not sure how that would work when... Anyway, How she's going to square that circle? Yeah. I, uh, in any event, I doubt she's going to be victorious in the governor's race in any event, the one that she lost last year, according to all available evidence. Quick break, and we are back with Desiree Doyen and <laughs> the Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. You are listening to the broadcast. <laughs> The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener-supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. You know, we uh, we didn't have time for it in our Green News report, but uh, the folks down in Texas, Desi's old home state of Texas, are mm-hmm. having a hell of a time with another ice storm. Yes, it's bad out there, folks. If you don't have to be out in an ice storm, don't be out in it. It's is, really a bad idea. Is the power grid holding up? So far, so good. There are power outages caused by this winter storm, but it's not. Um, bec- it's because of downed power lines, not because of the natural gas plants tripping off like they did during the big freeze. A few and years ago. streets all over Dallas, where they have those elevated highways, uh, highways that freeze up, become skating rinks. We yeah. have been on them in uh, in the middle of a ice storm. Yeah, you have not lived until you have seen a uh, tour bus go sideways down an overpass. Yeah, it's no kidding. Stay on the surface streets if you're in Dallas. And if you don't have to go out, don't. Good advice, as usual. And now, more good advice from Desi Doyen in our latest Green News Report. It's a one in 100 year uh, weather event, and we seem to be getting a lot of them at the moment. Torrential rains and floods in New Zealand shatter all-time records. Building new wind and solar projects is cheaper than running existing coal plants, new study confirms. Plus, Biden protects northern Minnesota wilderness from mining for 20 years. All of those somewhat good and somewhat not so good stories straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Without oil, we would lose so many precious products like hair gel, uh, 
or, or the bottle the hair gel comes in or the chemicals I use to get the hair gel out of my hair. And that's just my hair, Wanda. I mean, think of how much hair is in the world. It, probably hundreds. Uh, look, look, okay. Probably. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, astounding rainfall in New Zealand. Good Lord. Yes, indeed. A state of emergency has been declared in Auckland, New Zealand, after a record-shattering deluge hit New Zealand's North Island on Friday, triggering extreme flash floods and landslides that caused significant damage across Auckland, shutting down the city, destroying hundreds of homes, and killing at least four people. Nearly 10 inches of rain in 24 hours obliterated Auckland's all-time single-day rain rainfall record. New Zealand's new Prime Minister, Chris Hipkins, called the catastrophic deluge a signal to speed up efforts to prepare for more frequent and intense extreme weather disasters brought by man-made climate change. Climate change is real. It's with us. It's having an impact on our weather. We are seeing more of these extreme weather events. We're going to have to deal with more of these extreme weather events in the near future. Um, We need to be prepared for that. Um, And we need to do everything that we can to, to combat the challenge of climate change. Maybe one of the problems is this exchange with whoever this news reporter is speaking with the prime minister. Do you think it's climate change? Yes. Why do we even need to ask a question like that at this point? It's insane. Speaking of insane, here in the U.S., taxpayers in Pennsylvania may be on the hook for cleanup of thousands of abandoned oil and gas wells in the state. A new report by the State Department of Environmental Protection found that half of the conventional oil and gas operators failed to follow state law in reporting how much fossil fuel they pulled from the ground and reporting spills of drilling fluids onto the ground or into water. Oh, oops. And worse. Agency inspectors found more than 3,000 newly abandoned wells in just five years. 3,000 abandoned wells. Yep. Abandoned wells are sources of air, water, and soil pollution and leak dangerous climate-warming methane. The state estimates it already has 200,000 abandoned wells to clean up at an average cost of $30,000 per well. The state has to clean that up. Yep. So the fossil fuel companies make the profits and then... Skip town. And the taxpayers left to clean up. Nice. But some good news. A new study confirms that building new wind and solar projects costs less than keeping existing coal plants open in the U.S. That's due to long-term trends and the Democrats' Inflation Reduction Act. Mm. The new analysis by think tank Energy Innovation found that if power companies utilize the incentives in the Inflation Reduction Act that reduce the upfront cost of building wind and solar projects, then renewables beat all but one existing coal plant in the U.S. on cost. Wow. Doing so would also have external benefits like using much less water and result in immediately cleaner air and water. More good news. The world has enough rare earth minerals and other critical raw materials to complete the switch from fossil fuels to renewable energy to produce electricity and mitigate global warming. Are you sure? That's according to a new study that found the world has enough supplies of raw materials required to make the global transition away from fossil fuels. 
materials. And that counters concerns about the supplies of such materials. But that's going to require a whole lot of mining, is it not? Yes, more mining will be needed. But the researchers calculated that it won't significantly worsen global warming or pollution. And they say overall, it will be much less than the mining required for fossil fuels. The lead author told AP, quote, decarbonization is going to be big and messy, but at the same time, we can do it. Finally, the Biden Interior Department late last week effectively banned mining in northern Minnesota's pristine Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness for 20 years and revoked a mining and water pollution permit granted by the Trump administration to a foreign mining company. The department cited scientific data showing the mine would cause unavoidable and irreversible levels of toxic pollution in the watershed. The move is a victory for Native American tribes and protects the region's billion-dollar outdoor recreation economy. So Donald Trump had given approval to a foreign company to come here and mine our stuff? What happened to America first? You know, I'm starting to not trust that guy. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. And this has been your Green News Report. We can do it. We can do it. We can do it. We can't do it. We're I'm trying. pretty sure we can't do it. We are working on it. And in fact, the only way to actually get it done is to actually try. So it's kind All of a right. thing there. You have to try to get something done. If you don't try, it won't happen. So I think we can try at least and and okay. give it a shot. Okay, I'll try. But I will say one great thing about the Minnesota protecting the Boundary Waters Canoe Wilderness yeah. Area. The fact that Biden is doing that means that the outdoor recreation economy, the revenue stays within the state and mm. certainly circulates locally as opposed to a mine where the profits go out of state, out of country, and then they leave behind a toxic mess. Well said, Desi Doyen. Thank you very much. Desi is, of course, our producer. My thanks to all of you uh, for spending a portion of your day or night with us as well. If you missed any portion of today's program, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com, where once again, we are celebrating our 19th anniversary now in our 20th year. Thanks to readers and listeners like you who hit that donate button when you stop by. We could not do it without you. Drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com and on the Facebooks, Twitters and Mastodons. You'll find me at The Brad Blog. We will see you there. Until we see you here next time, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. High-dollar corporate executives and Wall Street bankers keep telling us that it's lonely at the top. Well, they should try toiling at the bottom of America's pay scale. The radical rise of inequality in our society is a function of the vast political inequality separating the working class from the power structure. The elite rich have many friends in high places, paying close attention to their needs, but the further one tumbles down the economic ladder, the lonelier you are when your interests conflict with the bosses and big shots. As Ray Charles sang, them that's got is them that gets. Consider waiters, bartenders, and other restaurant workers. Generally, these jobs are poorly paid and routinely abusive, yet lawmakers mostly ignore all that, cozying up to the abusers because, well, they're rich and politically connected. 
As a result, most of today's restaurant workers are paid a sub-minimum wage that was set 32 years ago at $2.13 an hour. That's not a wage, it's an insult. Yet most lawmakers refuse to raise it, bowing to the piles of campaign cash they get through a lobbying front called the National Restaurant Association, dominated by multi-billion dollar food chains. Worse, in the past decade, this consortium of greedy wage suppressors even devised a diabolical scheme to make restaurant workers pay for the industry's lobbying campaigns to hold down wages. The association bought an outfit that provides hokey food safety training to workers. Then it lobbied to get California, Florida, Illinois, Texas, and other states to require that all employees not only undergo the silly online training course, but also making them pay $15 each for the training. This is Jim Hightower saying, guess what? NRA then uses these worker training fees to fund its lobbying efforts that let restaurants pay poverty wages. And that, kids, is how inequality happens. The Hightower Radio Lowdown is made possible by you lowdowners who subscribe to our monthly newsletter, The Hightower Lowdown. You know who you are. Thank you.